Ooh, you thought I was going to be late today, didn't you? Surprise, surprise. Ding dong, the witch is alive, folks. Good afternoon, everybody. And a good Wednesday afternoon to you all. Today is Wednesday, November 29th, 2023. And you are locked into the Southside Beat as you are at 3 p.m. Eastern every Monday through Friday here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. He is Chris Halleck. I am hotspot quality Corey Christen from <laughs> the warehouse, baby. We are making it. I got into the stream, into our like setup with about mm-hmm. 90 seconds to spare here on a Kenny Pickett Wednesday here on the South Side. And uh, we're rolling today. It's, it has not I been can't. a slow day by any means over here on the South Side. No, I didn't think it would be. Obviously, first practice of the week and then uh... – no, you got uh, you know, Kenny talking, uh, Najee talk today. Um, yeah, Deontay obviously, you know, addressing you know his situation. So, uh, got a few things to hit on obviously today from everything that that you covered today. So, uh, but yeah, Wednesdays are typically uh, you know, pretty busy. But then obviously a couple extra things on there with a couple you know guys like Najee and Deontay talking. That's just gonna make things even more. So, um. Yeah, I mean, I guess just overall takeaways from from what you saw, uh, from what you heard over on the south side today. I'm sure there's you know quite a bit. Um, uh, Todd, awesome, welcome, welcome, hey, Todd. Thanks, uh, new, Todd. new member here that. on YouTube. Uh, but uh, Corey, uh, what are some of the takeaways that you have? Obviously, you know we have the the episode kind of geared toward what's next for Kenny, but obviously we have a few things to get on. So. Yeah, I mean, we'll start with the start. And the start of this morning at 10.45 a.m., shortly after that, was Deontay Johnson. And look, look, special guest. Hey! Special guest. You remember Dale Ollie. You remember that face. <laughs> There's our friend Dale Ollie. Um, Okay, so we'll start at the start and before Dale came in. Uh, there you go. How about that? You never know who's going to appear on the Southside beat when we're actually the old, on the uh, DKPS yeah. alum there right there. Yeah, the background is awesome. It's the ceiling of the uh, the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex indoor. I'm sure there's there might be like a couple of footballs lodged up there from like pit punting practice or whatever. But anyway, I look ready for a cage match. I feel like Paulie from uh, Rocky right now. That's t- that tends to be my aesthetic. <laughs> Like once we get into winter, that tends to be my stag. Just like the crew neck with the with the beanie and everything, trying to stay warm. It's cold over here today. It's a cold day. Um. Okay. So let me get to my point, people. Please. Yeah. <laughs> I love you all, but please. Um. Start at the start. Ten forty-five a.m. ish. Deontay Johnson steps right to that backdrop, and he took it like a man. He answered all the questions that we had about the play, about the lack of effort on the fumble. He he said he addressed the team over it, and the team really just let him say what he had to say. And then you know, Mason Cole of course asked about it. Um, it, it was it was talked amongst other offensive players today, and Mason Cole basically said the same thing. Like, yeah, Deontay, yeah, as long as I uh, don't get twisted like Paul, you're right about that. <laughs> um, it, the consensus is that Deontay addressed it. He owned up to it. He atoned for it. He he. Realized what he did. It didn't take a film study to realize that he screwed up, no. and and they just want to move on from it. I mean, that's that's the bottom line is they want to move on from it. You know, there's trust in Deontay Johnson, and, and like we talked about, as Swan mentions here, Swan says I believe Deontay really gives a crap. He does believe yeah. me. Deontay Johnson does, and that's what that's what that was about. So we'll put the Deontay Johnson stuff to bed. I know D, uh, DK and Ramon talked about it pretty in length yesterday, mm. so. Um, we're going to put that to bed. Moving on, um, 
you know, I, I got a couple one-on-ones, did a couple small things. I did a couple small things for Insider, of course, for a future Insider. And, um, you know, the the afternoon session was really about Kenny Pickett and what he had to say. And the number one takeaway for me that I'm going to expand more on on DKPittsburghSports.com later is that the fluidity of the process of getting Mike Sullivan and Eddie Faulkner into their positions in the systems that are driving the offense. Like, of course, 421 yards of offense. That's something we all wanted to see. Yeah. But they only scored 16 points against the team that was allowing about 23. So, like, a touchdown left off the board, of course, with Deontay. Mm -hmm. And the no call and the touchdown that should have been a touchdown. Like, things are adding up for this offense now is what I'm saying. The identity is there. Mm -hmm. They're going to run the football first. There's a recommittal to running the football first. And that's not a recommittal of, like, they're saying they're going to run the football. That's proof of of Eddie Faulkner being in the status that he's in. This is what they're built to do, and they're going to do it. And then it's Kenny Pickett throwing for the most yards, I think, since uh, the Buffalo game last year, which is which, which is uh, which, it was his first start. It was his which, first start. I mean, even then, that game was so out of hand early on that it w- it just became a throw fest. I mean, yeah, him getting I don't know I, I can't remember if he got the three hundred yards in that game, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did, just because the Steelers were playing multiple from multiple scores behind for essentially the entire game. Right. So th- th- right. that's just one of those games where you're like, okay. Game plan's gone. We're just going to have to air it out for three quarters. Sure. And, and he completed the largest percentage of his passes since that Bills game as well. So mm-hmm. he was efficient as well. This was the most efficient we said we've seen Kenny Pickett since the first time we saw Kenny Pickett start a football game. So there's a lot to build upon. And the thing I asked Kenny today, I, I asked him two major questions. And that was, how did it feel from a flow standpoint of, Eddie Faulkner designing the offense throughout the week, creating the game plan, and then Mike Sullivan calling that game plan and executing that game plan. I think one thing that doesn't get talked about enough is the efficiency of the delivery of plays from the coach's box or the sideline to the quarterback's ear and the headset and Kenny Pickett in his ear. And it's, you know, whatever the formation is, whatever the route combo is, whatever the blocking combo is, all of that has to be relayed like that, that, that very quickly. There's a cadence and a flow to all of that. And Mason Cole said it this morning about how Coach Sullivan made it a point going into this game to get things into the sideline as fast as he could mm-hmm. and then let Kenny Pickett decipher it and decode it from there. And then it corroborates with what Kenny Pickett said in the afternoon about, yeah, there's some stuff to iron out as far as that cadence and exactly what coach Sullivan wants and the terminology, not that he doesn't know the terminology, but meaning doing things so fast and doing things so efficiently and really optimizing how that's all done. I thought that was fascinating stuff from Kenny Pickett. And he seemed like he was comfortable with how they did it on Sunday while at the same time, acknowledging that it can be fine tuned a little more. So that's encouraging stuff to hear from my point of view. Yeah, I mean, when, when when you start talking about you know offensive efficiency, it, obviously the 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 main thing that everybody looks at is how a team is when it comes to actually scoring points, gaining yards per play, all that kind of stuff. That's obviously one way to define efficiency. How the offense operates is another uh, way that the offense can be efficient and um, not being completely cleaned up on your details uh, when it comes to 
how plays are called, when it comes to how plays are executed, when it comes to route running, when it comes to uh, blocking assignments, all that kind of stuff, all those details. And there's always so many. So that's why every time you hear a player talk about details, it's because all football is, is attention to detail. And when you don't, when you're not completely, uh, when you don't have your details fine-tuned, you can be a bit out of, out of sorts. Now, obviously, the offense did a great job of moving up and down the field. They wouldn't have put up 421 yards of offense if they didn't. Sure. Um, but that kind of stuff, lack of details in certain areas, really show up in the red zone, which, yep. you know, because obviously the field gets much more sh- much shorter. Um, you don't have as much room to work. And so if you're, if every little detail of from something going from Mike Sullivan's mouth to Kenny Pickett's ear, from um, the pre-snap read to the, how the, you know, pr- uh, pass protection is set up uh, to how routes are run, all of that stuff, it's even more um, under, under the magnifying glass when you get into the red zone, which I think it's not an accident that the Steelers went one for four in the red zone against the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even then, even with all of that, and this is, I think, the, where you can take solace from, yeah, they only put up 16 points, but from where you can take solace is they had another seven with that Deontay play. That's 23. And then a bit of a better throw from Kenny on the deep out to Deontay. If he throws it to the pylon, that's either a touchdown on that play or it puts them at first and goal on like the one or the two yard line. Sure. That's probably even more points. And so if the Steelers put up 26 points instead of 16, nobody's talking about, yeah, well, they didn't do this. So I think, again, I think that's why Sunday is so encouraging for how they played despite not being completely up to you know up to snuff on all of the, on all their details and stuff like that. And another and another thing that Mason Cole talked about was the uh, penalty on Broderick Jones. I believe they were they were marching. I think they were within the thirty yard line. I have to go back and look at the game book. Mm-hmm. They were within the thirty, or they were around the forty. One of those two, and it drove them back ten yards. And ultimately, they had to punt it away on a short field. Like that was towards the end of the first half. And like that opportunity as well, squandered because of a penalty. They committed five penalties for 55 yards. So it's not like they ran it up by any means, but it's the timeliness of all of that stuff. Uh, Darren asks, reading between the lines, did Matt Canada have slower brain twitch fibers? As in the, as in what? I, this is going off of what I said about things being faster and more efficient and more co- more co- coherent. I can't English, ironically, coherent. How funny is that? Um, and just doing things in such a manner that it flows quickly. And then it does give Kenny the opportunity to get to the line of scrimmage and everybody can get set and they're not rushed into the play. Mm. I don't know if Canada, I, I, I don't have that technology to, to discover if Matt Canada has slower twitch fibers. But what I could say is, is that this is the first time that anybody's talked about efficiency and play calling as far as getting the play in and then getting set quickly. I haven't really heard any of that with Matt Canada. So read that, you know, into that for what you were. Uh, Vegeta, God bless you, man. Uh, who, who he asked, searching for the Dragon Balls. Uh, who has the biggest game this week on offense? One of the running backs, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Pat, someone else. I think this is a really good opportunity for Pat Fryermuth to do it again. Like maybe not nine catches for 120 yards again, but I think he can have a good like 
six to seven catch day for about 80 yards. I think he could have a really good yeah. day against this Cardinals defense. I mean, obviously there, there are points to be scored against the defense, but if there is a stronger point of the Cardinals defense, their safeties are pretty good. Obviously I'm not going to talk, talk them up the same way Mike Tomlin did, but um, the, the Cardinals are not as weak at safety as the Bengals are. So um, the, the, if, if Pat Fryermuth, I, I don't anticipate, two or three big chunks of like 24, 29, 27, however many yards over the middle again. I think it will be more of the um, maybe more on the out routes, maybe more on, you know, obviously you could still have some in-breaking stuff and maybe, you know, if the Cardinals do show some uh, middle field open stuff, you can have the opportunity to hit that. I just don't think it will be as available, especially now that the Steelers have put it on tape. Uh, the Cardinals will be paying attention to that if, if they haven't already started doing that. Um, Swan asks, do you guys think Martinez and Jack have the potential to get an opportunity before the season's over? Now, as of right now, Blake Martinez is on the 53-man, and Miles Jack is on the practice squad. So it'll be Martinez before Jack, if anything. I think but even Miles then, Jack is an absolute last resort, man. Right, but even then, like, I don't know what Blake Martinez has. Like, he, he had a good contract with the Raiders after he had really good success in New York. Hasn't really lived up to it, really underperformed, and that's why he was on, what, two practice squads before you know, he was able to sign here. So I don't know what kind of impact they're going to be able to have, but as far as opportunity goes, like the old one play away from being one play away, so to speak, with, with Aladdin Roberts and um, Michael Walker and Mark Robinson, put it to you this way, you know, they signed Michael Walker off the, off the practice squad of the Falcons, and they put him right into a starting role right away because there really isn't any good pass catching linebackers on this roster anymore, you yeah. know, with Cole Holcomb and Quan Alexander being down. So, you know, we'll see on those two, but I think Blake would be the first one. Uh, Frank says still working with Matt Canada's playbook and need to make adjustments. I mean, that's fair and they mm-hmm. will. And that's, you saw those tweaks come through already. Oh yeah. Um, um, with no, all there, that. there were definitely just some differences. And when it comes to the play calling thing, uh, Really, I don't remember which episode it was, so I can't like point to it. But Ben Roethlisberger on his podcast talked about like he obviously played under a few different coordinators over the course of his career. And he always talked about and he kind of talked about how different coordinators would do certain things differently when it comes to play calling. And he's like certain coordinators would be two, three, four plays ahead. Um, you know, ju- just because obviously like you've got to adjust, you know, based off of what happens down to down, but they would have like a certain science to the play calling so that they would be able to get plays in right away. And I'm sure that the way Matt Canada calls plays versus the way Mike Sullivan calls plays is different because I'm sure it varies between every single coordinator. So that is going to take a take a, a certain adjustment for Kenny as well, and it's not a surprise that Kenny talked about it today because it is different from play caller to play caller to play caller. That's right. Come um, on, I got a couple more here that I wanted to get to. Darren asks, any thoughts on Darnell Washington lining up at right tackle and Jones sliding outside more left for play? Never seen that alignment in my time. Now we've seen the bonus tackle, so to speak, like with three tackles in, but not like this. Not when the right tackle goes over and swings over and creates a pseudo guard situation for Dan Moore. But I think that's only something that a guy like Darnell Washington can unlock with his size. Like, if he, if they really needed to convert somebody into a tackle, if, like, worse came to worse, then Darnell Washington has the frame for it. And, and those kind of formations and that kind of package 
can highlight Darnell Washington's blocking ability in some ways. I thought that was a fascinating thing too. Yeah, um, no, I, them. I really, I really liked that formation, but I think that's something that you, that you really only pull, uh, like, like kind of pull that out of the hat whenever you're in certain situations, obviously that, that was on a third and short, you're trying to, and this is what was kind of missing under Canada. It's not like it never happened, but it was just so few and far between trying to do something pre-snap to get the defense to go, okay, what the heck are they going to do? You know, a lot of the times when that pony package, Jalen Warren would be lined up, he would move in motion. And then, so pretty much you're having the defense go, okay, it's either going to be a sweep to Jalen or it's going to be a run to Najee. Um, but then whenever you do what you did with, or, or do what they did with, you know, Darnell Washington, now actually officially the right tackle and moving Broderick Jones over to a tight end position on the left side. Now you're really jacking with the defense of being like, okay, well, I know they like to run the jet sweep with Jalen out of this, but now they've got two tackles on one side. Yep. So essentially on the left side of the line, it went center guard tackle tackle. And you're going as heavy as you can over on that side. And you're like, man, like, we better pay attention to that side because if Najee gets behind that, he could he could have some room to run. And so it's just more of that pre-snap manipulation of the defense uh, and anything that helps disguise that kind of stuff that can create leverage, that can do anything. I'm all for it. But that's what, that's what again, it doesn't have to be overly complicated. Just doing different things like that, little wrinkles, can be all the difference in the world. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, Frank brings it up here. Two-headed monster might be a little exaggeration, but two really good running backs, a couple really good tight ends. That do I would say things. two-headed monster, honestly. In, uh, in all three positions, though. In, oh, in two receivers. I mean, in two receivers. I mean, they, Deontay, have, they have two Deontay good George. players at both positions. I agree with that. Uh, yeah, not so low risk today, Sea Shadows. I'm still inside, but I'm in it's a hot spot. spot. today. I'm in a better spot at least. And Darren, yes, I did see where you were going with the Darnell Washington uh, <laughs> to tackle comment. So number one, good try. Number two, I saw it immediately. Number three, I also know where you got the reference from, I think, uh, as well. Throwing out 13 personnel in this economy. I mean, look- I, I, I will say like you can't do that if Pat for I'm going to say you can't do that. You don't do that as easily without Pat Frymuth. Right. So as I, everybody's talked about, like Tom Lynn, Kenny Pickett, yeah, everybody's talked about Pat Fryermuth's return being if so you're, huge if, for this if, offense. If your three tight ends on the field are Darnell Washington, Connor Hayward, and Rodney Williams, that's not as that's not as formidable as when Pat Fryermuth is out there. Forget it's formidable; it's not threatening at all. It's not even threatening. I mean, Darnell Washington can do a lot of night, a lot, a lot of good things. I think, but a lot of it is underneath and then try to let him run. It was kind of the same thing with Zach Gentry. Zach Gentry is a large human being like get him in some space, get him the ball and then let him start running downhill. Good luck tackling him. It's the same thing with Darnell Washington. Only Darnell Washington is a little bit more athletic and he's a better blocker. So that's yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Jim, every time I see Andre Godala's name, I just think of Max Kellerman on that one episode of first take when uh, he was asked, you know, do you want one one final shot to hit to win the game? Do you want Steph Curry or Andre Iguodala? And Max Kellerman goes, the Martians got the death beam pointed on the face of the earth. One shot to save the fate of the universe. And he stares into the barrel of the camera and he goes, I want Iguodala. I'll never forget that. Um, 
Yeah, Jim, I know. Listen, I'm a bas- I'm a big basketball fan, so I will put basketball references on the screen if I could go with them. So, yeah, I will do that. Um, okay, another person that talked today, and I think this is important, is Najee Harris. Mm. And the last time we heard from Najee, we is in the world, really, was after the Browns game and after uh, a loss where – Everybody was feeling kind of down about it. They really didn't know what to do. They were kind of confused and lost and just like kind of at wits, like with what the heck this offense could do to improve. And then Matt Canada gets fired two days later. So mm-hmm. Najee Harris hadn't spoken um, since then. And today mm-hmm. was the first day when he was, you know, he didn't really address that because he said what he said and he's really not going to change what he said. But he spoke of the the distraction, so to speak, of everything around them. And, and look, I understand there's a lot of buzz created from reporters, fans. Everybody's responsible for this in some way, shape, or form. And to be honest, a lot of it was warranted because of how bad the Steelers' offense has been over the last two years. But I think Najee kind of like reaffirmed that his voice is pretty imperative in this situation where – He's talking about the team sticking together and how if they lose the team, they lose everything and how this kind of a thing couldn't be so damning to this organization and to this team when they're in the spot that they're in. They're still in a playoff spot. They're still, if the season ended today, they're the, the five, five seed. Seed in the AFC. <laughs> right. They're the top wild card. <laughs> so I thought that was important, not just for Najee to say what he said in the context of what he said, mm-hmm. but I think it was important for him to reaffirm and to come back and say, look, we understand what was at stake. We understand what was happening. And now they get to move on from it. Like this week almost feels like, and I talked about this a bit Monday with the whole just idea of getting the win and absolving and washing away that Matt Canada era. So to speak. <laughs> you said it, not me. It was on my mind. But just washing away that Matt Canada era, so to speak, of – now it's Eddie Faulkner and Mike Sullivan, and they won with them, and they produced really well with them. And now, again, not all of this is absolved. There's still more to do. But this is like almost affirming what Najee said after that Browns game, in a way. Yeah, it's – Najee, Najee, and this is what I was kind of talking about yesterday, or the opposite of what I was talking about yesterday. You know, I saw somebody mention when we talked about Deontay. Deontay was like really soft-spoken. I can't hear him. Deontay is just a soft-spoken person. Like he's, he he, yeah, it's just it's just how he talks. He's not trying to like keep things under you know and not talk. He's just he's just not he's just not a he's he just he's not a natural-born leader, not a natural-born talker in front of people. Najee's not like that. Najee's natural-born leader. He quickly embraced that role, uh, even as a rookie, but especially as the second year. His second year, he was named the captain of the team. Uh, he's not a captain this year, but he's still a leader in that locker room. Um, it's just when Najee talks, it 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 garners attention, not just mm-hmm. from the media, from the fans, but from his teammates. Um, and and I would say even the coaches obviously pay attention because that is one of the leaders in the locker room. So whenever he is, when he gets frustrated the way that he did and talked the way he did after that Cleveland loss, th- th- that was a big deal. Not just because of what he said; it was because of who it's coming from. You know, if if Almost anybody else in that locker room says that stuff. It's just some dude complaining. If Najee says that, 
that's that, that's a different story. And for him to come come, uh, you know, you know, like and say the things that you you said that he said today, man, like that that's. Listen, I, he he is he is as team first as it gets, and he understands that you know just because things have changed, you know, maybe for the better, it doesn't mean that. To put it in the, the way Mike Tomlin says, they're not going to you know just exclaim Eureka and everything's all fixed. Like no, they got a lot of they have a lot of work still to do. Uh, even with the week, you know, the, the the schedule getting a little a little lighter the next couple weeks, they still have a lot of work to do. Uh, if they take care of business the way they should, they should be nine and four after these next two weeks and set themselves up really, really good, not just for uh, a playoff spot, but for a realistic run at winning the division. Cat uh, Manada, he asks, is it fair to say Najee is the leader on the offense now? If not, who is? I, th- I think Najee's been Still a Kenny. leader. I think Najee's been a leader of the offense, but Kenny is the leader of the offense. Yeah, with, that being said, with that being said, I, I think what we learned over the last couple of weeks about Najee Harris is just how respected his voice actually is mm-hmm. and how much what he says, when he says it, people actually give a damn about and, and people take to actual heart and they don't, you know, just look at him as another running back and another guy on the team. Like he matters. He has a lot of stature on this team. And I think that his words against the Browns were very impactful. I'm not saying that's why they fired Matt Canada, but I will say that they were very impactful in some kind of way. Tyler says, how about Trent Thompson? Dude has been awesome stepping in for Minka. Neil, yeah, he had the big interception. Speaking of, of Minka, speaking of Minka. Speaking of Minka, he was back at practice today. So that's a massive. We don't have the official report yet to see what the participation level was. But, but we he, do know he was back today. He was on the practice field. Yes, he was. Wearing a helmet. Yes, he was. And a jersey. <laughs> and, and a jersey. jersey. So, so a positive note from Minka, who hasn't been practicing over the last couple of weeks, um, with the hamstring issue and, you know, they are actually month. I shouldn't say a couple of weeks. He's been out a month. And, uh, you know, this was a situation where they didn't put him on injured reserve. So mm. like you, you would think that because of that, that they would have expected him back sooner. Um, okay, it's dead, kind yeah. of, it's kind of interesting this week with, you know, two games in the span of five days coming up on Sunday and Thursday. So I would think that they would be 100% sure that Minka would be ready to play Sunday if they were going to put him at practice today. So it sounds like it's going to be some kind of a ramp up. Obviously the injury report will dictate how much he practiced, Mm -hmm. but it it has been confirmed that Minka was back at practice today. And that just gives this defense everything. Like we, uh, we know Cam, we know TJ, we know Alex and how impactful they are, but Minka's the guy that makes it going. They haven't played it late. They played two series together all season. Yeah. They have not played a full game together all season long. Like, uh, to answer like, your question, Jax, yeah. here you here you are. Yeah, no, no, they haven't. Not not an entire game, no. And and that's the, and that's the that's really kind of the crazy thing because as much as like we we talk about the offense and don't don't get me wrong, like the offense is worthy of all the discussion because of obviously everything that happened with Matt Canada getting fired and then obviously the way the offense performed in the first game after he got fired. Offense is worthy of the discussion, but the defense is trending in the right direction. If you go like to to you know pro football reference and everything, you look at where the Steelers rank in terms of pass defense, run defense, all this kind of stuff. It's still going to be over overall a very underwhelming numbers. But when you look at the the, the direction that they're trending, and they're getting a lot better. Uh, I don't have it, it right in front of me, but like especially in the fourth quarter, man, like they are not letting teams score in the fourth quarter. No, they're, they, they're just they really not. clamped down in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, th- that that is, uh, and, and again, you, they have they've been doing that without Minka for the last four weeks. 
once you get mink and, and that has you know mike tomlin says that one man's uh uh misfortune is another man's opportunity trenton thompson has taken that opportunity and now given the steelers a legitimate third option at safety yep. with keanu neal now being out so, you know, if Minka returns, Trenton Thompson still, in my opinion, has earned a role on this defense. How about this from Zark and Fruit? Love some DK sports. How did I just find you guys this year? You know what, Zarkin? Here's the answer to that. Better late than never. Welcome aboard. Yeah. We appreciate you. We appreciate you following us. And uh, th- as a reminder, we are live on this program uh, every Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern here on DK Pittsburgh Sports on YouTube. And, of course, if you want to yeah, listen don't... to playback. If you want to yeah. listen to playback, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and of course it's available on DKPittsburghSports.com on demand anytime. Uh, just as will a story on Kenny Pickett in the offense uh, from myself from this very complex within, I'd probably say, an hour and a half or so. Um, so yeah, I mean, busy day on the south side here. There's a security guard behind me. I'm, I'm fine, though. <laughs> believe me. Uh, I have my credentials. I'm okay. Um so the way that the rest of the week works, Chris, tomorrow's coordinator Thursday and yep. a slight preview of that. I'm, I'm intrigued to hear Jake. I appreciate that for the uh, po- uh, post show like there. Uh, don't forget again on, on demand there. And uh, Steven says, thanks for real news. We're trying over here. That's, that's what we're here for. Yeah. That's what we're here for. You know, I, I think I have a pretty good uh, judgment over here of what's going on. And look, there's stuff that has to be talked about. From a, a organizational standpoint, there's stuff oh, yeah. that obviously you all want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then there's stuff that Chris and I float around throughout the day. And and again, it's part of that judgment of what is the most important thing of the day that happened over here. And that's that's what we bring to the show. So yeah. um, we're, we're, we're doing that as best as we can, obviously, uh, given. And like I said, I barely made the show today. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, there's that. So, again, t- tomorrow's coordinator Thursday, Eddie Faulkner and Tara Lawson, of course. Um, we'll speak it in along the lines of what I mentioned with Kenny Pickett earlier. The thing that I'm really intrigued about is, is as we would say, how the sausage is made. And that is how the proceedings worked last week, how the flow worked last week, how the game planning worked last week. And I, I really want to see Eddie Falker's temperature on how things could evolve from that point. And what he feels is, you know, Kenny Pickett mentioned um, things to iron out. And I asked him what was the number one thing to iron out? And it was the efficiency and how, you know, the understanding of getting things in quickly. And I'm curious to know Eddie Faulkner's stance on all of that. I, I think tomorrow's going to be a really interesting day over here. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm I'm definitely curious to see what uh, Eddie Faulkner says, um, just because obviously, you know, coming off of the uh, whatever, man, I, I'm, I would die <laughs> out of hell. Mac and cheese is big shoot stuff says like I mac had, and cheese not being a Thanksgiving side dish. I had mac and cheese on my plate at Thanksgiving, man. And it was delicious. It was homemade mac and cheese, too. It was ooh, it, it, had, this, this wasn't your store bought shells and cheese. And don't get me wrong. I love shells and cheese. But this was homemade mac and cheese, man. This was. There's nothing like that oh. 89 cent or with inflation now probably a dollar 29 oh, of geez. that just You're not you kidding. know the the blue box of the uh, macaroni and cheese if you will I'll leave it at that yeah um, my Thanksgiving plate had what turkey mashed potatoes green bean casserole love it um, had a little bit of ham because let me tell you why and uh, I know I said on this Christmas. program you can't do ham at Thanksgiving it's a Christmas meat. However, it was there, and I said, you know what? 
let's break up this turkey a little bit. So I did a little 50. I did like a more like a like an 80-20 split on the turkey to ham. Just a little piece of ham, something to get a little different flavor on the palate. Yeah, Jake, I'm not going to name drop it. And I'm not going to put your comment on the screen either that name drops it, okay? <laughs> They're going to have to pay me or us over here at DK Pittsburgh Sports to say it. And I'm not going to do it. So there's that. Chris, don't you dare put that comment on the screen. <laughs> I'm not going to. That's fine. Monongahela Mike went ravioli. That's great. Corey did a jet sweep on Thanksgiving. No, Swan, I ran out of the power eye on Thanksgiving. Let me tell you. That's, that's what I did. I did a power eye on Thanksgiving. Is I, what did I, did. Heavy, I did some heavy lifting on Thanksgiving. That's, yeah, I did. I, sure. I, was in the jumbo, I was in the jumbo set on Thanksgiving, man. Let me tell you that. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't go too crazy, though, because I had to fly out the next morning for pit football. But, you know. I I had to, I had to be wheeled out. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> it, what's 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 you know really unfortunate is like you know you start getting older, you know, and I, I'm not old at all. You know, 36 is not old, but you're only as old as you I, feel, Chris. I definitely can't eat the way that I used to. I remember I used to be able to put away two like really really large full plates of food. Mm-hmm. Now I get done with the one plate, and I'm just like. I, and Ow. sometimes, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm done. And sometimes I'm like, dude, I can't. Dude, elastic pants don't, don't work that well. They really don't. <laughs> I mean, not when you're trying to eat an entire. I mean, I, I definitely overstuff my plate, but then you got to get pumpkin pie too. So we are, uh, yeah. my significant other and I are celebrating our Thanksgiving tomorrow. And instead of doing another turkey, we're going to do a rotisserie chicken. So that'll be cool. Doing a little mini Thanksgiving with a different bird about that. Um, all right, we're going to get out of here because I have to go work. Chris has to go work. We, we have to go to work. Uh, we appreciate you all hanging out with us today yep. here on the South Side Beat. We'll be back as we are uh, tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern, at the same place you found this live. Coordinator uh, Thursday. Coordinator Thursday. It'll be a fun one with uh, Eddie Faulkner and Tara Lawson. Uh, DK and Ramon coming up in just over 25 minutes, so stay tuned to that uh, at this same place. And uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. He's Chris Halleck, and I'm Corey Christen. Talk to you all tomorrow, as I just said. Peace out, everybody. Have a good one.